We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. As I've said in earlier shows, we've entered the early days of June and we've dedicated an entire month to the celebration of pride. But what does history tell us? What do the sages of the ages say about pride? What does the Bible say? What does Augustine say? What does Aquinas say? What does Lewis say, Von Hayek say, about celebrating pride? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning. Welcome to The Rebellion. I feel like I should start out today's show by saying, Happy Pride Month! I mean, we're celebrating it, right? We're having parades. We have flags flying across the nation. Here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, ConocoPhillips is flying the rainbow flag, celebrating human pride. Why are we doing this? Why in the world have we set aside an entire month to celebrate one of the seven deadly sins, pride? And I'm not talking about celebrating sexual sin. That's not the topic of today's show. We are celebrating pride. We have stolen an emblem that God gave us, the rainbow, an emblem, a symbol, a sign of who he is, what he does and did in terms of judging what? Pride. I mean, the rainbow is evidence that God once judged our pride in a very severe way. The flood, the destruction of all of the arrogance and the hubris of man. And that only a few, a handful, literally a handful of people, could be preserved from that judgment to perpetuate his creation. The Imago Dei, the image of God on earth. And he gave us the rainbow as a symbol of that past judgment and his promise that he wouldn't, he wouldn't destroy the earth in that way any longer, but yet he would not withhold his hand of judgment upon human sin. Uh, The rainbow is a reminder of that story, the story of the flood, the story of the preservation of Noah and his family, the, the story of the preservation of even the rest of creation, but yet, yet the story of God's judgment. And we've taken that symbol, that emblem, and we've turned it into a flag that celebrates the very thing, excuse me, the very thing that led to God's judgment in the first place. And that thing would be pride, the complete anti-state God of mind, to quote C.S. Lewis, the sin that leads to all other sins. Violence, vengeance, vice, it's all grown from the soil of pride. So I want to talk today about what the ancient sages have said about pride. Oh, there's a lot out there. We could take show after show. I could just read quotes. 
And after we take a break, I'm going to read several of those quotes from the Proverbs, from the Psalms, from the Prophets, from the New Testament. I'm going to share with you just a a, a sampling of what the Bible says about pride. And I want you to consider, I want you to consider these quotes, these excerpts. I want you to be thinking and asking yourself this basic question. Why in the world are we celebrating something that is so pervasively condemned throughout the course of human history? Let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I, I was thinking of how to do today's show, and I've read, I've read a lot, and I may be sh- sharing a little bit of it with you later uh, from a book. It's titled C.S. Lewis Exploring Vice and Virtue by Gerard Reed. It's a good book, and he talks about the seven deadly sins, vice and virtue, uh, and the seven virtues, the seven sins and the seven virtues. Gerard Reed writes about Lewis's perspective on all of this. I may share part of that with you today, a couple quotes that are cited therein, but I want to start out right now with the rest of the show focusing on what the Bible says. Those are, those of you that listen to The Rebellion on a regular basis know I don't apologize for being a Christian. I don't apologize for being a conservative. In fact, as I'm out on the campaign trail right now, going door to door throughout Osage County, small towns such as Whippoorwill. Uh, I stopped at Jimmy's Bar in Whippoorwill and just walked in. The, the screen door was flapping with the wind, and I walked into Whippoorwill, Oklahoma, and said, Where's Jimmy? A woman standing there said, He ain't here, but uh, I'm his wife. What do you want? And I said, Well, I'm Dr. Everett Piper. I'm running for county commissioner. She said, I know who you are. Sit down. I'll buy you a Coke. So I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to some good people in Whippoorwill, Oklahoma. I've done likewise in Burbank and, and uh, Barnstall and Avant and Winona, McCord and Scheidler. I've gone across the county. It's a huge county. Gravel roads, literally, there are more cows, there are more cattle in this county than there are people. I've gone to Pahuska. And I've sat down and I've talked to people over and over again, and I've told them who I am. I've told them I'm a conservative, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to change my stripes. If people don't like that and they don't want to vote for me because that's, that's who I am, then that's fine. I frankly don't care. I'm running for this position as a conservative, as a Christian, as someone who believes in the Bible. I believe it's true. I believe it has to be the context, the foundation, the fences around our freedom. Otherwise, we're going to lose everything we hold dear. If you tear down the fences of God, you're going to get the walls, the prison walls of man. And history proves this over and over again. When we succumb to human ideas as being superior to God's revelation, it never ends well. Never ends well. I mean, Pol Pot had great ideas, didn't he? And he constructed the walls, the walls of the prisons, the camps where they executed millions of people because they couldn't get away. They lost their freedom. They had no right to defend themselves because they had no weapons. Those were taken by the government, and they lost their freedom because they were put within the prison walls of man because Pol Pot and 
the Khmer Rouge refused to live within the fences of God. This is the story of the march of human quote-unquote progress. This progressive state of mind, um, it's not classically liberal. Classical liberals believe in liberty. The liberal arts education, as I've told you before, liberal arts, it's it's grounded in the word liberal. Well, why? Because a classical liberal education, you start with Oxford and you move onward for a thousand years. Classically, the liberal arts education stood for an education in freedom, free man, a free people, a free culture, a free church, a free country. It was an education in how to be free, to liberate us in freedom. And it was grounded in the assumption of revelation, self-evident truths endowed to us by our Creator. That was the context for liberty, for liberalism. Progressivism discards that, elevates themselves to be as God, commits the original sin over and over again, and says, we know better. That's what progressivism is, and that's the world in which we live right now. That's why it's so different than classical liberalism. Progressivism is the antithesis of conservatism. Progressivism says there's really nothing worthy of conserving. Oh, they they say they're conservationists, but that's because they worship the earth rather than worship God. And as they worship the earth, they worship themselves because they are a product of the earth. They're no different than the earth. We're all just things that rose up out of the primordial soup of Darwinian evolution. The dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, the amoeba, and the human being. We're all the same stuff. And because we're a higher evolved state of that stuff, we have the right to declare ourselves to be superior over everything, over everything, and we will be as gods. That's pride. That's what it means to be a proud person. So as we celebrate Pride Month, I want you to consider the following. We've dedicated an entire month to this stuff, people. And I want you to consider what we've been told by the sages of the ages as recorded in Scripture. And like I said, if I have time, I might get into Aquinas and Augustine. I might get into Von Hayek and, and C.S. Lewis. I might, I might share that with you, too. If I don't today, maybe we'll do it in a subsequent show. But consider this. I'm just going to go through. I'm just going to go through what the Bible says right now. Uh, with little commentary. Just consider Proverbs 8.13. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil have perverted speech, and I hate it. (laughs) Does that describe where we are today? I'm sorry, I said I'm going to have little commentary. I don't know, I can't control myself. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. We are proud, we are arrogant people. We're marching the way of evil. Is our speech perverted? My land. We've perverted it so much that words don't mean anything any longer. Up is down and down is up. Good is evil and evil is good. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Men are women and women are men. We've perverted our language, our speech. God says he hates pride and arrogance and the way of evil. And he hates perverted speech. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 
16.5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Hmm. Pretty strong. Pretty strong medicine there, isn't it? Everyone who is arrogant in his heart, proud in his heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not and she will not go unpunished. Proverbs 21.4 says this, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. A proud heart is the lamp of the wicked. It, it exposes, it's the light that exposes the wickedness, the sin, the sin of man. James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Psalm 138.6, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Do you get it? God regards the lowly, the humble, the contrite, but the haughty, i.e. the proud, you're far. They are far. And he knows you, but you're not near him. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. So if love is love, maybe we ought to go back to the Bible's definition of love. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant. Love is the antithesis of pride. We're celebrating pride. We're not celebrating love. And again, those waving the rainbow banner, the LGBTQIA cabal that shouts, we're loud and we're proud. At the same time, they, they say that love is love. They're proving that they have no idea what true love is. They've turned it upside down. Love is not arrogant. It does not boast. It is not proud. Proverbs 13, excuse me, Proverbs 15.25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud. Psalm 31.23, the Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. We're being warned. Centuries ago, millennia ago, we were told, the Lord will tear down your house if you're proud. He will repay the one who acts with pride. The prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 66, verse 2. This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So if you want to be near to God as he looks at you, humbleness and a contrite spirit that trembles at what? His word. Not your word, his word. Job 41.34 says this, He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. We've elevated today what? 
gnosis. We have elevated our knowledge. Gnosis, that's, that's Greek for knowledge. Gnosticism is a derivative of that word. Gnosis is Gnosticism. We have, we've, we've, we've basically revived an ancient religion where our knowledge rises up and supplants everything else. We know better than God. We know better than the history, the lessons of history, the sages that have gone before us. We know better than everybody. Our knowledge supplants logic and reason and history and tradition. Our knowledge, our special knowledge, supplants even even the lessons of science. Because my knowledge of myself refutes the biological evidence of who I am. So I'll just declare myself because of my superior gnosis, my superior knowledge to be something that I really am not. That's the whole argument for the transgender, the LGBTQIA worldview. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. Luke 14, 11 says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you exalt yourself, if you're prideful, you will be humbled. Mark my words, is what Luke 14, 11 is telling us. Jeremiah 9, 23 says this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Does that sound like what's going on? in the streets, as people shout, they're loud and they're proud, and love is love, and love wins. Hmm. Even, even the Nazarene Church now has a ministry that, that's actually titled, Love Wins LGBTQ. That's what it says, Love Wins dash LGBTQ. They use rainbow colors as their identity. And the Nazarene Church, a church that supposedly stands for holiness, sanctification, being set apart from the ways of the world unto holiness unto the Lord, is now promoting a ministry in rainbow colors that says, Love Wins, dash, LGBTQ. And the Wesleyan Church, the Free Methodist Church, the other holiness churches, are affirming this particular type of ministry. It's upside down, people. And if your church won't change, if it won't confess, if it won't humble itself, then I would suggest that what you ought to do is leave the church and not be part of something that's apostate and biblically wrong. Again, back to Luke 14, 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you're part of a church that's exalting itself, through these ministries like LGBTQ-LoveWins or LoveWins-LGBTQ. If, if, you're, if you're part of a denomination, a church that's doing that, recognize that you've been told in the Bible that that church that's exalting itself will be humbled. And that process of being humbled might not be all that pleasant. If you can't get your church to stop, if you can't get your church to stop participating in that sin, then I would suggest you might want to get out of the way of the inevitable humility that's coming that church's way. Leave. Join a 
church that actually believes the Bible and obeys it. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This is a verse that almost all of us know. I'm going to read it again. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You are being told, we are being warned. As individuals, this verse will play out, but it also plays out for a country. If a country is celebrating pride for an entire month, then can we can we assume that destruction and a fall is inevitable? We're told in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And the lesson of Israel over and over again in the Old Testament is that it, when it rose up in pride and defied the ways of God, it was always inevitable that destruction and national failure was in the offing. The Babylonian exile is just one example. It it happens. This is a almost a rule. Well, it is a rule. It's a rule of nature. It's part of natural law that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Psalm 101.5 says this, Whoever is haughty and arrogant in heart, I will not endure. God tells us he will not endure the proud look and the arrogant heart. Again, back to Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And the psalmist tells us that the haughty and the arrogant of heart, God will not endure. How about this one? Proverbs 29, 23. One's pride will bring him low, and he who is lowly in spirit will obtain God's grace. But pride will bring us low. But he who is lowly in spirit can still be forgiven. So we're in a month right now of celebrating pride. And I want to ask you the question one more time. How do you feel about that? What do you think? What do you think when you hear that? Oh, there are tons of more verses. Proverbs 16, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do we appear to be wise in our own eyes as we march in the streets celebrating pride? But God says there is more hope for a fool than for him, for us, for a nation, for a people, for an individual, if, if, if we are proud. Isaiah 2.11 says, A haughty look of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Isaiah then goes on further and says, The Lord of hosts has proposed it to devile the pompous pride, to dishonor all that honored themselves in the earth. Isaiah 2.12, 
For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Isaiah 13, 11 says this, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. Back to the psalmist for the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. I don't know which of these verses I've read today is the take-home, but maybe that's it. I'm going to read Psalm 10, verses 3 through 4 again. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek God. And all his thoughts are, there is no God. I don't even know if I can give any commentary to that. It's self-evident. That's where we are. Pride goeth before a fall. Let's go back to Proverbs 16, 19. It's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Romans 12, 16 says this, do not be haughty, never be wise in your own sight. Galatians 6, 3, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The psalmist, 101, verse 5, Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Galatians, back to the Apostle Paul, For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying right now, I don't care what you think. I'm not seeking your approval. I'm seeking God's. He's asking a rhetorical question there. He doesn't want to be associated with the pride of man. And Peter, St. Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter, one more time. This is the instruction. This is the antidote. This is the medicine. This is the solution. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to conclude with C.S. Lewis, folks. Didn't get time to get to the others. Maybe tomorrow. Here's Lewis. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's the sin that leads to all other sins. So happy Pride Month, everybody. Go out and wave your rainbow flags. Hmm, not too sure that's what we should be doing. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.